You're listening to the ESP, the European Skeptics Podcast, an independent weekly show in support of European level actions within the skeptical movement. The ESP is run by individuals representing different skeptical groups from across the continent. This is episode 117. I'm your host, Andras Pinter, and joining me for the show are my co-hosts, Jaron Levin and Pontus Böckmann. Sziasztok! Всем привет! Hey, son, hey, son! Hello! Hello. Hey. Oh, ah, I think we guys have been attacked by Russian hackers. Oh, uh, that was upon time. I've been waiting for this to happen. Well, so I connected to the uh, presidential, the latest presidential election. Of I Putin, have not. Somehow. It's connected. It's all connected, I'm sure. Mm. Um, okay, Yelena, no, it was no only you who understands the Cyrillic alphabet. So, yeah. uh, I mean, uh, so, amongst amongst the three of us. Let so, me tell you what, they, what they've what written. So there's like okay. all these emails that we've been receiving had similar context. Um, so ju- just, just to sum up the problem. So what, what happened was we started getting notifications about uh, email subscriptions to our, our webpage. And, uh, well, I would say that's quite an unusual quantity of um, of subscriptions in one day yeah. because we reached uh, more than 20 within a couple of hours so that's what happened so what yeah. did they write so basically they they call us different names every single time they write to us the names are funny because <laughs> they're not real Sporkina, shabash ludmila gleb okay gleb is a real name Sporkina, I don't even know. Yeah, sounds Ludmilla, funny. That's a, that's a real name. Ludmilla well, is right? a, yeah, yeah. But anyways, so they're saying that um, apparently, uh, according to the database, we are the valuable clients and we've received uh, an amount of money and only if we click on the link, we'll be able to see the further information. So Okay, I'll, I'll go and click on the link, see what happens. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Finally, <laughs> we'll be, we're making it rich. Yay! Oh, yeah. Dearie me dear. But oh, anyways... Oh, hmm, I wonder. I wonder. I've if never seen anything like that. So, so what do you do when 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 oh. something like that happens? Well. You delete and block and never open it. <laughs> That's <laughs> all you do. Okay, that is yeah. not an option, I believe. Yeah. Mm. I wonder why they're sen- sending us emails with Russian text. They know that I. Am Russian. I think we should put them in contact with a, a Nigerian prince. <laughs> Oh, definitely. But the problem is the problem hmm. is they probably don't speak English and he doesn't speak Russian, so No. <laughs> How do you know? Uh, <laughs> we never know. We never know, but the Nigerian prince might be Russian. Yeah, it could be, could be. Or it could be that he speaks several languages, amongst which there is Russian. Russian is an important language these days. He's right? an educated Nigerian prince. Oh, yeah. I should be I should be learning Russian and uh Chinese actually. Instead of trying to cope with my Italian. Yes, well, every yeah. third, every third person is Chinese uh, by the latest statistics, isn't it right? Yeah, but I was referring more uh, to the um, the political connections that Hungary right now has to Ooh. Russia. So, okay. um, yeah. 
We are being uh, kind of uh, Putin's poodle. Putin's poodle. So, uh, uh, yeah. Good old days. I have heard... Uh, good old days. Wow. <laughs> they're, coming, they're coming back for you. I mean, maybe not so good, actually. Come I, th- think about I think it. he's starting a whole kennel, this guy, huh? The, so basically, <laughs> I have recently came across an article that basically implies that Putin... This was last presidential election in Russia for Putin. He'll just stay forever their leader, basically. Until he dies, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I recently listened to one of the... Oh, I'm catching up very nicely with my podcast feed, by the way. <laughs> wow. Good news, good news, good news. Um, I have a lot of time on my hands uh, when I'm I'm doing uh, putting up the pl- placards on the streets and everything like that. So uh, then my mind is free to, to wander on... I have just suggested to Andres a really great tactics for his uh, upcoming election. He should take example from some other political parties that used data mining. It was very successful. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So well, the the story I was I was uh, I was telling you is that um, analysis. Do you know that program um, run by the BBC? Mm. No. It's um it's a podcast and um, they usually deal with political topics and issues and this time it was about dictatorships and how dictatorships work and how they are being built up and how long they last and that kind of stuff and obviously you can draw the parallel with a, a couple of well-known regimes including that of uh, Putin's yeah. but my problem is that the only the only element that our own government's actions lack is um, the violence, the outright violence, physical violence. So your other than that, your, every single check is there. So your president hasn't <laughs> killed any opponents yet. Not yet. No. 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 Well, so, it's early days still, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so this is why this is why I'm I'm gonna have to cut this very very short as short as possible because tonight we are going out on the main square of my, my, my hometown to put up placards with cool. my face on it and the name Ooh, of my, my party Jesus. and everything. Well, we, mm. better, we better crack on with the show then, eh? Oh, yeah. yeah. Let's do that. Yeah. So, since this is a regular show, uh, that means that we have a couple of segments and the first of those segments is always This Week in Skepticism and it's always presented by none other than Yelena. Um, yes, I just want to briefly mention someone who wasn't part of the, the week that uh, w- we talk about, but it, it's uh, it's an important person who died recently. And uh, you probably would uh, guess correctly uh, if you think about Stephen Hawking. Mm-hmm. So he passed away 14th of March, which was just eight days ago, really, from when we record this, this episode. Uh, and um, I just wanted to mention him because he was such a rock star, a science rock star. Yeah. yeah. A real amazing influence. Um, the kind that the world needs so badly. And an amazing mind yeah. that will... He, he, yeah, he was one in a million, really. And uh, he will be buried near the uh, Sir Isaac Newton's grave, which is the most appropriate space for, for him to be buried. Do you know where it is? Um, it, it, I've seen it. I've been there in um, Westminster Abbey. In West, Westminster Oxford. Abbey. Westminster, yeah. And it's it. very close to Darwin's as well. That's right. And so he's amongst the most, uh, wow. the brightest, the brightest minds. Um, yeah. I, I, I wonder if he would be okay with being being buried in Westminster Abbey. Hmm. <laughs> well, he was an he, atheist, right? 
He's, <laughs> I think it's not about that, really. Okay, yeah, yeah. I, I just... mean, to be neighbors with such great minds. But um, yeah, I, I was very sad when I heard the news. Um, but he lived extraordinary long and full life for somebody who was bound to the wheelchair and mm. couldn't move. He's done more than any of us ever do in our lifetimes, I'm sure. Between three of us, he's done... I think he was referred to as the longest survivor of ALS ever. Yeah. So, like, no one has ever lived that long with ALS. And despite of his condition, his life was just extraordinary, really fulfilled and full of discoveries. Um, He's such a role model. Like, anybody who whinge about problems in their lives... Really, guys? Look at Stephen Hawking. He was in a freaking wheelchair all his life. So anyway, I really admire him, and I was really sad. And um, he, yeah, just a quick tribute to him. Yeah. But um, another great mind that I want to cover today, uh, also (laughs) died. Everybody dies. What the hell? (laughs) Sooner or later, yeah. Uh, He died a long time ago. Uh, It was Johann Wolfgang von Goethe. He died on the 22nd of March of 1832 at age 82. Uh, he was a German poet, zoologist, botanist, geologist, who was both famous uh, in the world of literature and an intellectual uh, with an interest uh, in science. So he's, he was all around, also br- another brilliant mind. He coined the term morphology to describe the systematic study of the structure of living things. Um, he's written in, on many science subjects in some uh, cases whatever he's written turned out to be wrong and corrected later at later date by other successes but nevertheless he was very he, he had a very curious mind and he had massive influence on science and literature both um so his uh, uh, his place in history of science is secure by by having discovered that human beings possess an intermaxillary bone and this bone was only known to be part of the mammals and at, at the time nobody thought that we we have uh, similar similarities and in Goethe's day uh, there was a lively science and religion type dispute as to whether humans beings kind of were part of mammals kingdom but he proven that we are and uh, um, later on some other successes uh, pro- proven the same the same thing and um this his research proven to be criti- critical for darwin's theory of evolution by natural selection so um some of the things he's done in his life were controversial and against uh the established belief but nevertheless he uh, persisted and mm. thank you for his wonderful services uh so here you go another yeah. brilliant mind that um i wanted to mention today uh, on the segment. Are you familiar with his uh, most uh, well-known work? Faust. Faust, yeah. Faust, yes. He's. Have you read it? No, I haven't, unfortunately. And as I was doing my research, I came across it and I thought, oh, I've got to read it, watch it, do something, because there's so much um, was done around it. There are operas, there are yeah. plays, there are yeah. movies, books... Uh, most famous composers composed b- music on, on yeah it's it's just everywhere so i feel like i'm missing out and it, it does have a very important uh, skeptical angle ooh tell us uh, because um, faust is um, actually 
a charlatan. He he refers to himself as a doctor, but uh, he's stuck in life and he, he he doesn't know how to how to get on with his with his life. And he realizes that the the knowledge he has is not real. It's it's, it's something that 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 lacks depth and lacks. So he he doesn't have a clue about the world, and uh, yet he has this uh, kind of reputation. Then Mephistopheles arrives. And he's the representative of the devil. Yeah. And they make a pact. So he gives the devil his soul in exchange for for something much more important, like uh, important for him, and that is knowledge. So it it is a very interesting kind of... And it's very deep in in a philosophical sense as well. And uh, it's it's no wonder that uh, a lot of other literary works and uh, operas and that kind of stuff emerge from that kind of story. And um, it really influenced a very important Hungarian poet as well. And he wrote The Tragedy of Man. And that's, that story is mostly based on... It's the same kind of frame that the devil appears and 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 you make a pact or, or the devil tries to um, get an influence on on the man. And it's it's one of the greatest poems ever written in Hungary. Mm, there you go. Um, mm. And we have, a, we have a, a Hungarian Academy Award winning... Uh, uh, directed by Ishvan Sabo, you might have heard his name. Yeah, and that is Mephisto, and that that is in uh, set in the Nazi Germany, and but the story is somewhat similar. So, you know, as you were as you were talking about the story, I all of a sudden realized I have seen an, an interpretation, an opera, modern opera interpretation of this. Mm-hmm. They called it something very different, mm-hmm. well, somewhat different, and it was in Budapest when I saw it. Nice. It was years ago, eight or six years ago, and it was so surreal. They had all these really weird-looking decorations on stage, almost like um, <laughs> UFOs and like un- like really weird flying objects and stuff. It was all very surreal, but that was the concept where with the devil and the sell- selling of the soul and all the. Mm-hmm. Ha! It's everywhere. Brilliant, brilliant. I do. If you haven't read it, I do recommend, and that goes for everyone listening to this because Faust mm. is brilliant. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, I kind of I, I lacked understanding of the plot at the time, so. <laughs> yeah, like... I'm waiting for the video game. Video game myself. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> hey, I'm sure there's one there already. So there must, check it, there might check be, it yeah. out. There might be one. There might be one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Thanks very much, Yelena. Fun as always. Okay. Um, that means that we are moving on to our news items for this week. I want to talk about something good that happened in Netherlands um, recently, and they have um, successfully banned the sale of MMS. Um, So if you remember... We have discussed this in, in our podcast before, but it's MMS stands for Miracle Mineral Supplement, uh, also known as Miracle Mineral Solution. And um, it's sold on the internet as a cure for numerous diseases, uh, one of which is autism. But it's been proven to, sh- to show and contain um, quite serious health risks um, to the digestive system, breathing problems, kidney and liver failure. And um, there were several cases and controversies around the world surrounding this um, unproven 
treatment um, and uh, warnings against this product. And I'm really glad to see that there's something now in um, in the law of Netherlands prohibiting this. The Dutch health authority is encouraging the European Union uh, health ministry also to follow suit and um, ban this all, all around Europe. I know that in England it's still being sold. I want to I want to mention uh, Fiona Fiona Leary. Um, so uh, so Fiona Leary, who we had on, on the show a couple of times, has had runnings with uh, dis- distributors of MMS, and she took the case to court. Um, um, if I'm remembering correctly. So, so it, it, it developed. I, I haven't really been following what the resol- resolution was, whether she won uh, the case uh, against the the sellers. But um, of course, the solution is to ban it statewide. You know, to, to ban it on a national level and on a government level, rather than try to fight one individual at a time, like Fiona does, which is amazing. But it, it's just not as effective as completely making it illegal. Um, so this this solution c- contains. Bleach and 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 it's I I don't really understand how anybody in their right mind would think that bleach can cure anything. But um, well, it's a miracle solution, isn't it? So um, yeah. why shouldn't it work? Um, there's a lot of hmm. resources and uh, and articles about it uh, out there and research uh, how dangerous it is, uh, and um, I'm hoping that European other European countries will follow suit soon, hmm. sooner rather than later. Because I'm sure the kids who been given this solution by their parents are are in danger, and maybe some of them even, well, died. We wouldn't, we won't know, but yeah, as it's not probably investigated properly. Mm. So there we go. Uh, well done, Netherlands. In that, yeah, regard. well done, Benning. Yeah. Well, let's stay in the, in the Netherlands uh, and uh, yeah, get something else under the microscope. Well. Under the microscope would be a better choice than what these people do that I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna talk about. I came across this uh, on Pepin van Erp's uh, blog website. Um, he's uh, for those of those of you who don't know, uh, he's a Dutch mathematician and a skeptical activist, and he writes a blog in English, which is pretty good for us uh, because uh, it's a good source of information from skeptical goings on uh, in the Netherlands. This time, he writes about a website that uh, I'm not tr- going to try to pronounce it in Dutch, but uh, it's um, the Dutch equivalent to test your intolerance. So what intolerance are we talking about? We're talking about different allergies and food intolerance. And uh, obviously, it's an important thing to test for if you have any issues based on your diet and that kind of stuff. But um, he's a skeptic. So when he came across this website, he started investigating and he found an international website of this company. And it goes testyourintolerance.com. He came across the information that the method they use to determine whether you have a food allergy or intolerance is bioresonance. Sorry, is that bioresonance or bio? Bioresonance. Bio bioresonance, okay. What's that? So bioresonance is a method uh, that uh, builds on the claim that you have, your body, uh, have um, a resonance profile based on the energies 
uh, that vibrate within your within your body. Of course. And yeah. <laughs> they write up your profile and try to determine what's wrong with that profile. And it can be uh, when they try to f- feed back to that profile and strengthen or weaken the, the, the elements of the profile that they determine as the source of the problem, it can be used not only... I mean, I mean, they claim it can be used not only for diagnostics, but also for therapy. Uh, mm-hmm. So there is a therapeutic u- uh, use as well. So the issue with this is that they only require one piece of sample, and that piece of sample is a hair sample uh, for the analysis. Oh, God. Let me just propose a theory that they don't actually require anything, but they just want to be seen to have something. So oh, they, yeah, exactly. You know, and, uh, they can just suck it out of their thin air. Yeah, so they, they send you send them a, a strand of your hair, and then they f- measure the resonance, vibrations, uh, magic yeah. of that hair, and they know that you do not tolerate milk. Fantastic. Yes, but then they can offer you a therapy. Oh, of course they can. But that Obviously. costs money. Ob- yeah. Obviously, yeah. <laughs> uh, but uh, Pepin didn't stop at um, determining all this by just himself, by... Um, assuming a couple of things about it. He went on and asked them. So there is um, a, um, an online chat support system uh, for this uh, test your intolerance company. And, uh, well, the explanation that they gave him is on the website. So they all the, the whole thing happened in English. So he copy-pasted that conversation and put it on the website. It's ridiculous. So the, the, I'm, I'm going to read up the first sentence only of the reply from the, the support agent. The bioresonance therapy works by scanning the hair sample to create a profile of this particular person's energy that radiates from the DNA. <laughs> the energy that resonates from the DNA. Mm-hmm. There's not, really, there's not even DNA. DNA. I don't think there's the DNA in hair. There is, there is, there is. Oh, okay, uh, a string of hair can be used for DNA tests. So, so, so oh. That part is okay. But first of all, DNA, so the, the person's energy that radiates from DNA, that sentence in itself is complete and utter bollocks. So it's, mm. it's, it doesn't make any sense. Mm. From that on, the rest is just going in deeper, deeper into that kind of shit. Mm. So <laughs> it's it's really good. So it's a good catch, Pepin. Thanks very much. I think we we should all avoid that website. So obviously they have. Oh, and the other thing is that um, they have to send the the samples to the UK from the Netherlands. So that must be very very expensive. Try to keep people from from falling for this shit. Yeah, uh, yeah. The thing is, I, I I don't think anybody. Well, actually, I'm saying that, but I don't think anybody I know would fall for it. I guess. Oh, you never know. Yeah, you never know. But yeah. So then, now we let's talk about something that affects wider uh, Europe as a whole. Recently, uh, the the research has been published um, about Europe's. Uh, latest uh, situation in terms of uh, religiosity and how religious the people of Europe are. And young people in UK and Netherlands are amongst Europe's least religious, which I guess is a good thing. 
being non-religious myself. <laughs> but anyways, uh, the decline of Christianity in Europe um, has been highlighted in this report. And uh, it's uh, uh, also highlighting the fact that young people are turning their backs on faith. The research reveals majority of young people in a dozen of European countries say they are not affiliated to any religion. Um, and uh, I just want to uh, quickly mention a couple um, of countries. So, of course, Sweden is one of them. 75% of young people saying they're not religious. Mm. That's, pretty, that's pretty impressive. I have to say, Latvia is not on that report. Uh, so I'm not sure what's going on there. Um, United Kingdom, 70%. And I am just looking for Hungary, 67%. 67%. Saying they're not religious, young people. Yeah, young people. Okay. Of young people, yeah. So yeah. young people, by young people, what do they mean by young people? From the age of 16 to 29. It's been published by Stephen Bullivan, a theology professor from St. Mary's University in London. And this, this report... Uh, even though Christianity will remain the largest religious group in Europe, uh, the Muslims will make up 10% of the continent pop population by 2050, up from 5.9%. So that, that was an interesting observation, even though um, the younger generations turning their backs to religion, but the uh, uh, Muslim po population is growing. Um, so here we go. Uh, we will link in the notes description to the actual report that's um, called Europe's Young Adults and Religion. Uh, so good news, good projections, I guess. And uh, we'll see how the heathens will deal with the realities of life without the help of God. <laughs> Let me ask you a question, though. <laughs> Go on. Getting back to my government, I, I don't want to politicize this, but um, they currently argue that why they have to stand up for religion is because those are our roots, religious roots, all over Europe and that European heritage. So how do you argue when you come across someone who says that um, you have to accept and... Um, tolerate or even uh, recognize religion as some kind of um, of a continuity in our societies, a source of continuity in our society. Well, I think it's a very common theme, isn't it? Because I think Americans do exactly the same. They go, well, this is our roots, this is our heritage, you know, religion, let's go back to Christianity. Um, and they're doing exactly the same in Hungary. And I think it's very easy political tool and political arguments. It make is indeed. Because they go, well, look at the chaos around you, right? Why do you think this is chaos? Because people abandoned faith. There is no memorial values. Mm. Everybody doing what they like. There is no standards. Nobody is accountable to anyone. And it's in a very, it's just a very easy sort of roundabout, cheating, typical political argument to make. And that's why it's out there. This is why it's so popular. Yeah, um, but I think that the counter argument is that if, if you want to make progress, you can't cling on to old ideas, especially if the old ideas are not very good. Yeah. So that's not a good reason to, to, to stay married that's, to that's that. That's right. And these are the yeah. two kind of yeah. polarized opinions that are fighting out. And we, we're looking at it and it's all over the world. It's Obviously, I agree with that. But uh, the way I see it is that the reason why they could politicize it that much is because the non-religious voters, the non-religious people are much more tolerant 
towards the religion than the other way around. <laughs> yes, <Yeah, So>, ironically. <laughs> religious people are absolutely scared of losing their religion, trying to wrap their head around the idea of society existing without religion. And look, the, the, some of and the... And they, f- they, 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 they see it as a threat mm, mm. to their own society. Some of their fears, I understand... Mm-hmm. So, for a very long time, and I think it's a very long argument that we, we might not have time or, or whatever, dwell on it too much here, but religion and the churches were places where people socialized, where all their lives kind of evolved around and stuff like that. And so now the communities are falling apart, but as atheists, we don't really provide that much to replace that. I mean, we do have an occasional conference, we do have kind of the, the, the odd gathering now and again but it's not the same as what the churches were were doing not not in, in the in the same way at all and so i can see i understand why they would argue for you know oh we, we are afraid that we're losing all this uh, uh foundation and i'm sure and i'm very strong believer that the atheist community and skeptic community should be doing more to create uh, this feel of of the um, community within ourselves, you know, uh, and to be better at organizing ourselves and helping each other and etc. Although we know of very good examples where, where we do, we can mobilize and we can do good. But I just think that um, church for a long time was very good at it. Yeah. There's like, yeah, it's, it's a very long argument and you can play devil's advocate and yeah. <laughs> Try to play different roles in it. <laughs> I mean, yeah. if as far as I'm concerned, the religion did so much damage that it's it's a no-brainer. Let's just dump the whole thing, yeah. you know. And then you have, of course, the the argument to say it doesn't matter if it was doing good or bad. You can't believe yeah. in something just because Correct. you think it, it's good to it, believe. That's right. That's this is my favorite. If it's not yeah. true, then then you know, yeah, yeah. too bad. It does. It doesn't matter if it makes you feel good. It's, that's exactly. That's exactly it. Uh, but um, th- there is. Th- there was value beyond just feeling good. There was social network support in place, etc. You know all the other things that we can argue about. But yeah. yeah, and in that regard, it's very similar to things like homeopathy, right? <laughs> uh, because there was a time when it had real value. Yeah, yeah. So it was better like, to get water than to get poison from, from the or, other quacks. Yeah, yeah. Well, if you put it that well, way. <laughs> yeah, drinking something something that has nothing in it is much better than than doing some bloodletting. So it's... it's well, you know what to say. <laughs> um, and, and this is what Edzard Ernst et al. argue um, in a group of experts called the Münsteraner Kreis, that's, I think it's called the, the Münster District or something. So it's a, it's a group of 17 experts, uh, medical experts, mm-hmm. and uh, they just filed an official a- application uh, with the 121st General Assembly of the German Medical Profession to completely get rid of the title Doctor of Homeopathy in Germany. Because it doesn't so, make sense, yeah. It doesn't make sense. So, yeah, obviously it it is... Very nice that it once was uh, very highly regarded. And obviously, we, we've talked about this a lot, that in Germany, it has a very special status. Arguably, it's because it's it's the country of origin for homeopathy. The, the cradle of homeopathy. <laughs> the cradle of homeopathy. And the doctor of homeopathy title can only be worn by someone who is a medical professional 
and an expert in some of the other fields of medicine, and they picked up using homeopathy. But the the problem with homeopathy and the homeopathy practitioners, as Edward Ernst uh, writes on his blog, is that it's even though it's a very strictly regulated kind of um, education that they have to go through to get that Doctor of Homeopathy title, it's a postgraduate education and training program of six months or 100 hours of case studies under supervision plus 160 hours of coursework. So that's all you need, even though it's probably the most strictly regulated kind of homeopathic practice, um, the, the one that they have in Germany. But still, it's ridiculous because homeopathy is nonsense. And uh, I think why it's it's very alarming is that, um, uh, according to Edzard Ernst, the number of doctors of homeopathy in Germany has risen from 2200 to about 6700 mm. for, uh, within 16 years, which yeah. is terrible. I mean... Wow, 16 years, more than tripled. <laughs> yeah. But this goes back to the, the discussion we had with Diana, Diana Barbosa from Portugal in the last episode, because it, we talked about it there as well. You, If you give them, a, a, you register them, you give them a, a, a title, then it gives them legitimacy. Yeah. And it's what she called pre-scientific education, which means it's not scientific at all. It's yeah. what we thought of the world before we know what we now know so um yeah get and rid let, of it yeah and let me conclude <laughs> with a, a very nice uh candidate for a later quote <laughs> that is from Edzard Ernst himself oh yeah he says even the most rigorously regulated education in nonsense can only result in nonsense. <laughs> well said. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. It, it, two wrongs don't make it right. So, yeah, it's yeah, similar exactly. thing. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, many wrongs. Great. That's right. Okay. Speaking of nonsense, <laughs> let's go to Spain. <laughs> <laughs> Where we have a new, for me, new uh, thing. It's called apitherapy. Do you know what it is? Happy clappy? <laughs> almost, happy. almost. Oh, it's it's the Spanish uh, version of happy, but it's happy because happy because clappy. they don't they don't pronounce the H. Okay, yeah. I understand. Yeah. not quite, not quite, but just <laughs> as helpful. Um, there is a lady in Spain who has died from it, so we better learn oh. what it is. Oh, okay. What it means, happy therapy means getting stung by bees as a form of treatment, but is. Um, as is apparent from this story, it's not without its risk. Mm. Mm. Uh, what it is without, though, uh, I'm pretty sure, is any kind of health benefits. Mm. Mm. It, it's, of course, a very tragic story. I don't want to take sheep shots uh, at anyone who has clearly been misguided or swindled or, or maybe both. Mm. But this is also being reported as, as bee sting acupuncture, which is wrong on, on several planes. First of all, indications are that ordinary actual acupuncture doesn't work. So don't try that to begin with. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Second, second of all, if you insert poison under the skin, yeah, okay. which you would do yeah. with a bee sting, yeah. that's no longer acupuncture. No, so, that's an injection. Yeah, so, that's, so it's not acupuncture. Uh, and so doctors have also pointed out that allergic reactions can be very severe, even though someone has survived it before, because this lady had gone through these treatments several times over the last 
two years. Mm-hmm. And then you can wonder why would it have any positive effects in the first place? So this is just stupid. It's tragic and stupid. And as a just side note, it's pretty cruel to the bees as well. Because apparently you squeeze their heads until they sting and then they die in the process. So nobody gains from this. It's it's just an example of things that may seem natural or something like that, but it's just nonsense. Yeah. Poor little bees. Right. Yeah. Well, yeah. Just don't fucking do it. Don't no. do it. No. no. Yeah. I, I, and I th- don't do homeopathy either. I, I think, like I, like I mentioned, I think not many people we know would, would do it, but the fact that it exists just boggles my mind. Boggles my mind. Anyway. Yeah. Exists. Yeah. And the fact that it exists, it means that there are enough people mm. to do it. And it makes money because obviously people do have, well, all over the place, various yeah. alternative treatments. The, the, the important thing is that they have to pay for it themselves and it shouldn't be part of the, the National Health Service or whatever it's called if in your country. If you enough to have... <laughs> yeah. So um, I'd like to finish our news items segment uh, with a very good piece of news. It's been all over the blo- the skeptical blogosphere and, and podcasts and everything that uh, the NHS homeopathy in London is gone. It's kaput. It's fantastic. So kaput. So, um, but but it's it's very interesting. The Independent and the BBC cover the story, and it's it's very important because what happened was the Royal London Hospital for Integrated Medicine kept using um, homeopathy and not only using it but giving it to patients on and on the NHS, yeah. even yeah. after the rest of the NHS-funded hospitals in London had yeah. ceased doing so. Yeah. yeah, the NHS is the National Health, Health the Service. National Health Service. Yeah, yeah. yeah thanks to uh, the hard work of the Good Thinking Society and Michael Marshall at et al., they really could get NHS to 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 put it on the blacklist in general. First of all, and a lot of NHS. Uh, centers, local centers, stopped funding homeopathy. And that is a great achievement. But then the Royal London Hospital for Integrated Medicine, which was formerly known as the Royal London Homeopathic Hospital, the fact stays that they kept prescribing homeopathy on the NHS for patients. Even though the rule the, the, the rule on the NHS says that there would no not be funding for London hospitals they kept funding it. So, the Royal London Hospital for Integrated Medicine is where uh, Mr. Fisher, Dr. Fisher, the Queen's homeopath, does his practice. And uh, even though it was renamed from the Royal London Homeopathic Hospital to the Hospital uh, for Integrated Medicine, it's it does the same stuff, the same kind of bogus stuff that that is absolutely lacking evidence and 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 any kind of uh, backing from science so that is the case but now that it has been ruled that from april onwards they should not be uh, prescribing homeopathy on the nhs it's over and done with in london apparently so there are two places in the uk 
One of them is Bristol and the other one is Glasgow, there where there is still um, homeopathic practice going on with the funding of the NHS. So the Good Thinking Society is turning their sceptical eyes towards that and that they're going to start or go on campaigning until those two seize funding for the homeopathic practice. Yeah. So, well done. Good job again, Good Thinking Society. They're so doing please, an excellent job. I absolutely, mean, they're really absolutely. achieving results and just by asking questions, really. Yeah. And please, please, dear listeners, go on their website and check out how you can help them. There is a donate button. There is a donate menu item. Uh, please check out how you can help them because what they do is not only important for the UK, but it's exemplary. And not only at a European scale, but at a worldwide scale. So they achieve a lot, but they achieve even more than they achieve per se because they give us hope and they they encourage and they inspire everyone out there to do the same the same kind of stuff Woo. so yes. please help them please do all right moving on to another segment and that is our really wrong segment presented by Pontus Bukman from Sweden really wrong or actually today a really right segment nice Yes, I want to have those once in a while. <laughs> and did. this is going to be a first, actually, because I'm going to to give this to an active Catholic. Uh, if you've been following the show, uh, you know, one of my pet peeves are, uh, you know, the Catholic Church and their leader in a funny hat. The Pope. The Pope. <laughs> and uh, there are many problems, in my view, with Christianity and the Catholic Church carries a big load of this because they are so big and influential among all the thousands of variants of Christianity. But therefore, it's so nice to find a sensible Catholic, someone with an agenda that I actually can subscribe to. I'm talking about a lady called Mary McAleese, who used to be the president of Ireland 1997 to 2011, quite a long time. Despite being a practicing Catholic, she seems to be very sympathetic and a very progressive person, from what I can understand. Among other things, she's taking a stand uh, for the gay community in Ireland, and she has expressed her concern for the rising number of suicides among young gay men in Ireland. Also, she did point out very correctly that being gay is not a decision you make, it's something you discover when you grow up and you, you suddenly discover that, oh, this is what I like, and that's not the decision you make. Uh, she has described same-sex marriage as a human rights issue. So this is very progressive for being a practicing Catholic. Uh, recently, on the 8th of March, she was refused entry to a Vatican conference to mark International Women's Day. And she wrote to Pope Francis about this, but that didn't help. Instead, she gave a talk at the Symposium of Catholic Women called Why Women Matter, which was live-streamed and it had to be held outside the Vatican walls because it was not permitted inside. Ah, but she didn't give up. In, and it wasn't her, only her. It was her and other women as well. Uh, but in her talk, she said, We are here to shout to bring down our church's walls of misogyny. Good. 
She also said that many women, quote, experience the church as a male bastion of patronizing platitudes of which Pope Francis has added his quota. So go Catholic women, go. I like this. Nice. Yes. I like it too. Love it. I yeah. like it too. Fantastic. So for protesting from within the church and for trying to bring it a little closer to the 21st century, Mary McAleese gets today's prize for being really right. Yay! Congratulations. Ooh. The question really is, can we bring the church into the 21st century full stop? That's, yeah. I don't know. I th- but what I think, we can't. No. But maybe she can. <laughs> somebody, from wi- somebody from within the church may yeah. be able yeah. to. At least yeah. put it a little closer. Oh, probably the Pope would be a good idea. Yeah. But then it will cease well, to, that, to be Well, that's a, fine a with me. Yeah. Anyways. <laughs> this Easter, I might end up meeting the Pope, so I can, I can talk to well, him. Say right. that, yeah. say, uh, tell him that Pontus says hi, and he's, he's been wrong many Definitely. times. <laughs> Definitely. Okay, yeah, yeah. Um, (laughs) well yeah do you think he would um, admit that he was wrong and um, move on and say something else Pope is infallible isn't he according to to the rules he cannot be Mm. wrong okay (laughs) (laughs) however you have given him the the really wrong prize on several occasions so (laughs) yes (laughs) well never mind Okay, moving on. Thank you very much, Pontus. Thank you. And we're moving on to the ending of our podcast. Uh, but first, I'd like to encourage everyone, uh, our listeners, I um, hope you liked our show, but um, if you think uh, there are things that we could improve, uh, you have any suggestions, you want to contribute news items or any ideas or events that you have, please get in touch. Yeah, you can do that via our email address, which is info at theesp.eu. And also you can follow us on Twitter. Our Twitter handle is at espodcast underscore eu. Um, you can also find us on Facebook and like us there, message us directly or go on our website which is theesp.eu. And if you do get our show via uh, iTunes, please leave us a nice review. It helps us to spread the word and also please spread the word yourself. Indeed. Mm. And remember that you can find uh, the information of everything that's going on in Europe from a skeptical point of view on our calendar Uh, on the website so uh, you go to events in Europe and you'll see it there and if you really like the show I mean really really like the show (laughs) then you should go to patreon slash the ESP and you should uh, pledge to give us a a dollar or two for for each episode that we we produce yeah and that will keep us motivated as well that helps a lot (laughs) and it keeps us motivated yes that's right (laughs) All right. But um, every show, every episode has to come to an end at some point. And this moment is coming up very, very soon. But first, I'd like to ask you, Yelena, to hit us with a nice quote for this week. Yes, I have one from uh, uh, the person who I discussed earlier uh, today on the episode, Johann Wolfgang von Goethe. Mm -hmm. Because actually, as it turned out, he said... 
quite a lot of very insightful things. One of them was, uh, if many a man did not feel obliged to repeat what is untrue because he has said it once, the world would have been quite different. Mm. Um, and I think it's a great insight into human nature uh, that he gained by being by do, doing so much and being so curious about the world and in large. Yeah, large. yeah. Saying something, saying something that is actually bullshit—that's one thing. But, but repeating um, it and making repeating it yeah. just because you have said it once—that's that's outright silly. Yeah. So don't do it, people. <laughs> uh, but please do come back and uh, visit our website and uh, listen to the show next week when we're coming back. I'd like to thank both of you, Yelena and Pontus, for joining me this week. Thank you. All right. Thanks, guys. Been fun. And also thanks to our listeners for tuning in. Uh, keep doing that, please. And until next week, goodbye. Bye. Bye-bye. This has been your ESP experience. The show is produced and recorded by the ESP.eu. Join us again next time, but until then, please send your feedback, comments or death threats to info at the ESP.eu. We would also love to hear your ideas and suggestions regarding future episodes, as well as news from your country of residence that might interest others across the continent. If you have a local event or organization to promote, please don't hesitate to let us know as we are more than happy to help. All music in the program was written and performed by Keisha J. Gray and George Schraub and is used with their permission. Please check out our webpage at www.theesp.eu, follow us on Twitter at espodcast underscore eu and like us on Facebook. I don't know how you can believe. Pontus, do not disappear. Please. <laughs> not cool. Not cool. Not cool. Not cool at all. Disappear, not cool. No cool. No cool. No cool. No cool. Disappear, no cool. Go on. <laughs> Ignore me. Okay, so, um... Yes. Don't, don't knock like that when you're talking. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Let me get the date right. Please. When is the date? I don't have a date. Well, that's fine. I don't have a date. That's good. Um, okay. You have a, you have a husband, anyway. <laughs> so funny. Uh... Uh, <laughs> This is also being reported as bee sting acupuncture because that's what it is. You, you, yeah. Well, sorry, I already said that. Mm, mm, mm. Yeah. Let when me retake that. When the dog bites, when the bee stings, when I'm <laughs> hang, 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 hang on, I, I got, I got lost. Can I, can I start over? Go, back go up a bit? <laughs> yeah, sure. Not, sure. not from the beginning. Not from the beginning.